it is open for everybody. And this is the beauty of Islamic um, finance is financially inclusive compared to the conventional, which we, th we see it as financially exclusive because it's only people who have no problem with interest that can do business with conventional banking. Muslims and maybe other people who believe that interest is not good, they are not going to transact with conventional banking. So Islamic financial instrument, Islamic banking is for everybody, is actually putting a speed to our uh, our ambition of being financially inclusive economy as as Kenya. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the GB Legal Podcast. As always, I'm your host. My name is Andrew Njenga and I'm all equally joined by my co-host. Annette Akava. Karibu Hi guys. Sana. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen to us. We have a very, very interesting conversation today. Today we're talking about Sharia banking. And in studio with us to discuss that is a very proficient Mr. Um, Kalfan Abdallah. Kalfan, say hello to the people. Hello, nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Tell us, Khalfan, a little bit about yourself. Well, Khalfan is coming from an entrepreneurial family yeah. and then mm. moved on to become a professional banker. And I've been in the banking industry for the past 10 years, then moved into consulting business, which I manage as a managing partner, which is called, uh, our firm is called Abrar Consult. We deal with consulting uh, services on setting up Islamic financial institution by designing products and ensuring they have proper structure to deliver this product as expected within the market. Apart from that, we train people, including the legal minds, on Fantastic. how to go through Islamic financial services, Gosh, contracts, that, among others. That is yeah. so much, Kalfan. Goodness, when do you have time to do anything else? <laughs> <laughs> and especially like, you know, managing your own consulting firm. That's also entrepreneurship in a sense. It is. It, you, know, you must have a lot on your plate. Definitely. It is about work-life balance. You know, yeah. we have to be able to deliver to the community, to our clients, and to everybody that is looking from us in order to support their activities. Yeah. So okay, I'm cool. very glad to be here. This is part of the of the of the broad consult. Uh, Consultancy, mm. yes. Fantastic, <laughs> Annette. I must say I'm very excited yeah. for this um, particular podcast session. Islamic banking has been something that has I found very intriguing. I've always found it very, very intriguing. So I had a matter with um, a few clients, uh, two of them who were Muslim. They were entering into a shareholders agreement. And first mm. of all, they were like, please remove any provisions on interest. Mm. And then now I had mm. to go and um, I had to go and research on alternatives for interest to be compliant with Islamic finance and to be just halal, I guess. I'm not too sure what the term is. And then I also went for a CPD some two years ago. Actually, the very first CPD that I went to just after I'd been admitted to the bar, yeah. it was on Islamic finance and it was so complicated. All I remember were terms like Mukaraba. Okay. I think Mukaraba, Musharaka. Yes, and then there was Rabulmal, I think. Rabulmal yes. and Mudarib in Mudaraba. All of those. So I can't wait for us to get into that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, as I said, Kalfan Abdallah is here and we drink straight right in. So, Abdallah, tell us a little bit um, about what 
Sharia banking is? Well, it comes with different names. First, uh, to start uh, with that is sometimes referred as Sharia banking, other call it Islamic banking, other call it in non-interest banking, to participating participation banking there in Turkey. Mm. So what it is, is about banking business in line with uh, Islamic commercial law, Islamic commercial contracts, plus the ethic underpinning Islamic norms of doing, of behaving basically in doing business. So that is in brief, is a banking business in conformity with Islamic commercial contracts, which is of very important and very interesting part of it as we'll come to it shortly. Yeah. And I remember once I'm listening into someone presenting on the same thing. They basically say um, the principles of Islamic um, commercial law are not really all that different from um, international principles of economics. It's just little, little, d- different little aspects that may vary, but it's pretty much the same. What would you say about that? Yes, the pillars, as we know, in any contracts, you have parties, you have subject matters, you have the price, among others. The difference comes within the subject matter. The subject matter has to be halal. Mm. And halal, as you rightly mentioned, is meaning permissible. The mm. subject matter needs to be permissible. So all okay. the terms and, and the underlying transaction has to be within the permissibility parameters that is guided by is- Islam. Okay. So here's, for example, you mentioned earlier, anything to do with interest, okay, becomes outlawed, is haram or impermissible. Yes. So just a few areas within the contracts that need to be in line with Islamic Islamic, um, requirements, so Mm -hmm. to speak, on the commercial transactions. Would you give us a few tips on what uh, a commercial contract within Islamic banking would look like? Some of those, you've said the little tips that uh, we'll have to comply with like Islamic um, or Sharia law. So if you just give us like a, a couple of examples, maybe one or Fantastic. two. Fantastic. Uh, good question. You have uh, We have different range of contracts in Islamic financial transaction. Mm. If you compare with conventional, it is going to be a little bit a list. So to mention a few, we have what is called a mudaraba contract. This is partnership contract on the deposit side as we know when you open a bank you start to establish the relationship you enter into a contract the conventional side is a loan contract you are going to be lending money to the bank and bank return to you if it is savings they pay you a predetermined rate of uh, interest Mm. if it is current it is non-renumerative, you don't get anything except your money. Now on the Islamic side, using Mudaraba, it replaces this lender-borrower relationship into investors, people coming together. The depositor is a partner, is the Rabbul Mal, is the owner of money, mm. who is giving the bank to manage and invest by doing business with it, on the ground that the profit or loss that is coming out of the underlying uh, transaction will be shared between the bank and, and, himself. The, and the himself. So yeah. there is no predetermined uh, return on that, but also the contract is 
profit and loss sharing rather than a guaranteed return and a guaranteed capital or the money that you are putting in the in, in the bank like the way it is in the conventional side yeah. on the financing side uh, to use the common contract which is used is called murabaha murabaha is a sell contract in conventional is all about trading with money we give you money we charge you for this for staying with our money in a conventional setting yeah. in islamic banking setting when it comes to financing they sell something we all know money is not food mm. money is not a dress people needs money to do things or to pay for something <coughs> or to buy for something. So in that case, the bank moves on into back to business, buying what you need with that money, add a profit to it and sell it to you on credit basis. So it's a sell transaction whereby the cost of the commodity will be known by you as a customer, plus the profit that the bank will add on top of the cost of the commodity or the asset and sell it to you on credit basis. So this creates seller-buyer relationship on the financing side rather than the borrower yeah. lender relationship which we are familiar with on the conventional banking side so there is a sell agreement they sell to you at a profit you pay over time you walk away with the goods you pay the money in conventional bank you walk away with money the you money pay the and money you buy the goods yes mm. yeah I so see. that yeah. is that is interesting concept back to business we call it back to business <laughs> wow. that, yeah that that's fantastic uh, yeah. murahaba murabaha Mura- murabaha murabaha Baha, yeah yes and the first one you said was muraha mudaraba mudaraba gosh i, I think it's my kikuyuness coming out <laughs> those are too many hours too many hours too many hours um so the the second one the seller um, agreement um the 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 it's the interest is already predetermined so it's ne- does it change there are situations where interest it, can it, change it changes completely even the term itself is yeah. not longer going to be referred in- as interest, interest uh, yeah. because you cannot say even in a back to business environment when you buy a phone if you are an entrepreneur yeah. importing phones when you are putting your margin 30% or 20% on top of the cost of the phone we never call it as what interest, interest exactly is yes. a profit yes it's profit so in islamic banking it's not just replacing interest to profit but because the underlying transaction is different is not money for money business yeah. is an asset for money business mm. so there is an asset bank board adds a profit and sell it to you now in a selling relationship the profit remains fixed different with the money money business money money business the bank has the right to change to vary the co- the, the rate depending on the underlying contract you yes. know yes. there is variable yeah. and there is fixed rate yeah. yeah the preferred is normally variable, variable. rates yeah. so they can change it why the reason is simple because the money is theirs mm. so they can change yes. it yes. but in a murabaha transaction once they have sold the goods to you it means they have transferred the ownership of the commodity to you is your property in exchange for the money that you have to pay if there is anything they can't add up the nice. profit I because see. they've already 
sold you sold. the item. They yes. don't own anything don't own to reprice. Yeah. Have no right to reprice after sale. Yeah. I see. I think it's important that you've pointed that out because one of the biggest, I would say, criticisms of um, the whole concept of this contract is basically people understand it to be very conveniently replacing interest with profit yeah. and basically now just like changing the terminology but the concept people think is still the same but now that you've actually said it's money for money it's um a, money, a, a for, money an for an asset yes. so let me get this clearly for example i want to get a car loan right so i'll go to an islamic bank or a financing institution and i will ask them so so it's i'll be the agent of the bank it's like i'll go out to get the car and it's like they'll be the selling the car to me right if could you could we put it in context like that just very like good, explain, very explain good. it to us if, for example right. i was buying a car what would that how, how would that good, play out very good question is yeah. very common it applies not only for car for any personal financing yeah. uh, request we prefer to use the word financing rather than car loan so mm-hmm. i'll use car financing and the way it works is as briefly you have made it you submit a normal request you know for for financing after you have gone through the credit approval process and you have qualified you have to bring the invoice which shows the preferred model of the car that you want and even from the supplier that you want then the bank will start the first process is to buy as the bank mm. okay, to own that particular assets mm. and here there are two ways one way to be either through appointing you as an agent to go and pay for that particular car and declare after you have acquired on their behalf that I have acquired this asset already. Or the other model will be the bank buying directly from the identified supplier. Then after they have acquired it, then they will give you an offer to purchase the car from them at a profit, at an agreed profit. Yes. Then once you have accepted that offer, then the car belongs to you. You only have the debt or the price which you need to pay over time to the bank so okay. to the bank, bank. and yeah. that is fixed over that period of time you have agreed i see it is you know what i'm really really interested to know about i think which we'll get to later is what happens when there's default when there's default because in regular transactions sometimes people are not able to keep up with their payments i'd Correct. like to know how that would play out but before we get back to that the banking industry in kenya is very heavily regulated we have the banking act then we have the prudential guidelines that cover so many aspects of administration of banking institutions so what we need to know is sharia law regulated in kenya because I, I personally haven't come about in my legal advisory work on um, banking institutions i haven't come uh, a chance to upon any specific regulation on sharia banking what's the regulatory space looking like well uh, with respect to islamic uh, banking or islamic financial services globally there are two different i mean regulatory approaches there are markets of which you find unique regulations existing for the islamic uh, banking and then there are other markets like ours of which you have the existing conventional regulations that have a room a space to to enable islamic banking to operate so here in kenya we are operating within the existing uh, banking uh, regulations it is regulated by the central bank of kenya and wherever there are, are any issues that maybe islamic banks are facing within these existing conventional regulations they 
always have a room to address that issues to the relevant body, especially the central bank, to be able to discuss and maybe provide them exception if need be. So it has been well um, accommodating, so to speak, regulatory environment. Of course, we have seen some time ago changes to some of this regulation like recognizing this model of uh, banking in the banking act that now instead of only recognizing interest as a reward for deposit depositors now even a return a term return mm. has been added that it might be a interest or a return okay to the to the deposit holder which has come into because of the need to capture the way Islamic banking operates. They don't pay interest. They pay a return to the depositor, to the depositors. Yeah. So the regulatory environment is as it is with some s smaller changes here and there. Yeah. And wherever the industry players see there is some hindrances, they yeah. discuss this with relevant authorities to address it. So would you say that the CBK has been somewhat receptive towards some of these small modifications and changes? How's that relationship? Uh, been very like? much. To a large extent, the Ministry of Finance. Uh, the Ministry of Finance, you know, as a country, basically, in the mid-term plan, we are looking to be the center of Islamic finance in the East African and Sub-Saharan Africa. This is a Kenya's aspiration to be an Islamic finance hub. So in this context, a lot has been done by the government since in 20, I think 2015, 2016, by setting up a project management office under the, under the Treasury to be able to come up with necessary re remedies or changes within the laws, maybe tax laws, contract laws, regulations under different financial regulatory bodies in order to give a, a fair level playing field for Islamic financial institutions as well as conventional financial institutions. Nobody should be disadvantaged due to the existing laws and so on. I so see. it has been supportive, so to speak. And I think the ambition to be the hub is closer to be achieved. Okay, great. I mean, definitely, we'll definitely get there because we are, Kenya in itself is a regional leader. In in East, in East East Eastern Africa, I believe. So it will be really interesting to see the the development of that and us basically being the hub of fin Islamic finance yeah. in Eastern Africa. Yeah, you had mentioned that there are countries that do have it regulated um, officially. Do you think there's a need to have it regulated um, in the way I? I, I would assume that you mean countries like in the Middle East are the ones that have it um, regulated because they are heavily Islamic countries, unlike us, where I think the Muslim population, I think in this country is maybe, what, 15%? Mm -hmm. um, so in countries where the Muslim population is much higher, of course, they would have now regulated Islamic banking. Do you think there's a need, especially if we do want to be an Islamic hub here in Kenya, do you think there's a need to actually have an Islamic banking law or are we fine under the Banking Act? Well, uh, that's very technical and yeah. uh, basically <laughs> when you look at the the way the governments have approached this, we say all these are approaches available. It all depends on your context. In a context of other countries, even the neighbor here, Uganda, where the Muslim minority compared to even Kenya, yeah. they have chosen the path of having a separate 
regulation is called Islamic banking regulations for Islamic banking uh, transactions. Yeah. Kenya, we didn't choose to go that path. We just chose to make some amendments within our banking regulations to accommodate Islamic banking. And perhaps people within the higher ranks of the central bank have been positioned to say, well, have used this approach or not. Mm -hmm. But I think all these approaches are available. Given the context, you can choose what you think is much more suitable yeah. within your environment in order to position yourself as a hub of Islamic finance. Mm -hmm. In a country like UK, again, they have done some modifications as well, not coming up with the separate regulations. They are still regulating Islamic financial transactions within the mainstream conventional regulations. But also, to your surprise, even Saudi Arabia, which is a Muslim-majority country, it doesn't have unique set of regulation for Islamic banking mm. uh, practices. They're still regulated within the existing conventional regulations. All is required here, after saying all this, is the regulator being very receptive, mm. open-minded, flexible where need be. I think for the longest time I was always under the impression that Islamic finance or rather the, facili the facilities or the, the products offered by Islamic banks are only open to to Muslims. So I just wanted to ask, um, does it apply to individuals or corporate entities owned by Muslims alone or can I approach a bank, say Gulf, to ask for you know one of their products or to benefit from one of their products? Well, uh, we don't have any issues with what you believe in. What you have to is uh, agree to the terms of these underlying transactions. If you come as a Muslim, even an atheist, that you say, I think this concept of financing me through buying an asset and selling and being fixed the price is valuable to me. It makes sense. It is beneficial to me. You're welcome to do that. In other jurisdictions, actually, I hear reports from South Africa, for example, you find the majority, almost 40% okay, of the customers are non-Muslims. Non yes. okay? mm. You can imagine in a place even here in Nairobi, where again, uh, non-Muslim and Muslim, somehow um, non-Muslim ma majority again, yeah. you will see that um, there are a lot of customers who are non-Muslim uh, banking with um, with Islamic banks, be Gulf or First Community or Dubai Islamic Bank. But actually, even our workers, the workers working in these institutions, don't yeah. also have to be Muslims. Muslim. They can mm. be Muslim, non-Muslim. What is required is your competence, competency, and your and, and and qualifications. You get these particular jobs. So it is open for everybody. And this is the beauty of Islamic um, finance is financially inclusive compared to the convention which we, th we see it as financially exclusive because it's only people who have no problem with interest that can do business with conventional banking. Muslims and maybe other people who believe that interest is not good, they are not going to transact with conventional banking. So Islamic financial instrument, Islamic banking is for everybody, is actually putting a speed to our, uh, our ambition of being financially inclusive economy mm. as, as Kenya. Yeah, I think I'm, um, I'm very impressed with that. I feel as though then Islamic finance is helping financial inclusion in terms of 
um, making if it's accessible to everyone, you don't have to be Muslim. Then that has a, a resultant implication on financial inclusion. Many more people can um, you know access products and participate in in financial markets. So there you have it, guys. You don't have to be Muslim to benefit from the <laughs> the products. Indeed, <laughs> from the products offered um, under under Sharia banking and Islamic finance. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Good and to know. Of course, you know if you have any questions or comments on this podcast, any of the podcasts that we have had previously please hit us up on Twitter and Facebook our handles on Twitter and Facebook are at gvalawfirm.com that's at gvalawfirm.com and if you want to also leave us a voice note on WhatsApp the number is 0718 So, Carl Fan, um, <clears throat> we we've discussed this a little bit, um, but um, the the aspect of um, interest we've discussed, which is now a profit, because the bank will sell you the asset. Let's see. What about late um, payment fees? What happens when somebody defaults? Very good, and it's very common. You know, people have different uh, situations. You know, there are those who might be able to pay on time and there are those who might not be able to do that so this is an issue okay an issue in the sense that you need to remember banks are dealing with other people's money mm. it's not the shareholders money per se but there are me and you and many others so there should be measures to to be to be in place in order to make sure this money gets back to the bank in time and in case not not something happened that made it um, impossible to to come back there should be some disincentives so to speak so with respect to the penalties they are there the uniqueness though which is very interesting is in conventional banking when you delay to pay is good and we are happy yes. why because <laughs> the interest yes. is compounded yes. Yes. and we yes. also give you a stick with the penalty yeah. Yeah. and all this is our money our profit you know yeah. in com in islamic banking the profit never compounds number 2 the penalty will be there but it's not an income to the bank so the bank has no interest no benefits out of you delaying the penalty goes to charity to the community yes. so it forms a basket of fund that will be used for community projects supporting the needy and the poor within our society so that is so unique it is by nature a corporate social responsibility Fantastic. Can yeah. I just say that blew my mind. So the transaction, <laughs> the transaction yeah. that I had, I was so happy, of course, to put in, you know, any defaulters interest yeah. as usual, because it's one of those provisions that you put to protect your client, mm. especially when there is default. But then the client came back and said, um, hold up, that has to be removed. And then they said, perhaps as um, they, they proposed that whatever interest would have been payable, if a person didn't comply, then would have to be contributed to a charity organization that the parties would agree with it was to three gentlemen yeah. and they were like there's if anyone if any of us defaults or not we owe under this contract yes. we'll choose a charity yes. and the, the the money the penalty will go to that charity organization. to that charity organization yes. Yes, because you are not supposed as a financier to benefit out of whatever misfortune or whatever sit difficult situation of the other party. Yeah. We are putting this clause for a single reason to deter 
or to remove the moral hazards. Because if we don't have it, people will keep on delaying. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, Africans yeah. always have this tendency with us, not keeping up with the time. Mm -hmm. So we have to put that to dissuade people from delaying meeting their financial obligations by themselves committing. Yeah committing themselves that yes. if I delay, you take 2%, 15%, whatever we have agreed in the contract, yeah. which will go to unidentifiable charitable organization for the benefit of community. Question, is there a, a, a percentage that they've put in? So it's, it's, it's decided between the parties as well? Y yes, normally with respect <coughs> to the banks, they have already the percentage that is there in the contract for you to accept it or not. But in other settings, like our sister have explained, mm -hmm. is upon you parties to put how much you want to donate to charity in case yeah. of you know, failure to, note, to meet the obligations. On a light note, Kalfara, I was thinking, yeah. and Andrew, perhaps if I'm the lending institution, I can go and incorporate a charity organization, you know, a, a separate one. Then, well, it's a bit the, cheeky, but... The, 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 but I'm imagining, because I'm trying to think like how a, a regular shrewd Kenyan mm. would think they'd go and set up a different a charity, you know, and then now all the interest, because I'm the lending institution, but I'm still the charity institution in essence. To so, cater for that, actually, most of these uh, banks, like Gulf African Bank, First yeah. Community Bank, they have set up their own foundations to, mm. to handle this issue. Oh, I see. Because remember, these are ma customers' money. Yeah they have to disclose where this money has been spent to their satisfaction. Yeah. They are not their income. So they have to account for it for their customers that you know, really what you paid in default, it really went to charity. Good. So foundations are set by mm. all, but also they are very uh, collaborative with other foundations or other charitable organization because they are not mainly in the business of of charity they are there to do business but also support the community through their foundations and in collaboration with other foundations mm. yeah. fantastic so um, our next question is there a form of insurance with sharia banking for example um, in regular banking there's the um, deposit the, the requirements for insurance of, of deposits and insurance of financial institutions so how does, guarantors yes. you know yeah there's a form of insurance anyway when yes. it comes to the banking sector the yeah. conventional banking sector yeah. yes to protect the deposits of clients yeah. how does that work with sharia Definitely, um, we fall within the regulations, mm -hmm. and the regulations definitely requires that for depositors' money, they have to be uh, insured, and this goes to the Kenya Deposit Insurance Corporation, given the rates that they are determining from time to time, so that in case maybe the bank goes under, these depositors are able to get, I hear these days, up to 500000 from the 100000 that was there previously. So that mm -hmm. has to be complied. They have to ensure these depositors' money as required by the law. But also they have their own assets, which they have to ensure. Now here, it will depend as to whether the Islamic insurance is existing in Kenya. And we are glad that we have one. It's called the Takaful Insurance of Africa. So Gulf African Bank or First Community or any other Islamic financial institution can cover their their assets through Takaful covers which are there. And in case some covers are not there, they are exceptionally allowed to use the conventional insurance cover because the service of insurance is very important in this particular business. Even when it comes to financing customer, you know you have to to cover the security. Okay, if it is a 
an asset land or a house or a motor vehicle, it has to be insured. So where the takaful is there, that is the first option. If there's a takaful cover, and if there is no takaful cover, then we have to look the other covers that are available. So we have uh, an Islamic version of, a ta- of, of, of insurance. Yeah. Uh, Maybe you can explain to us there. just briefly what's takaful. The way we ask us Kenyans, we'd say takaful. Takaful. means, perhaps. Yeah, very interesting. Another another concept which is very interesting, frankly speaking, mm. and, and this is a cooperative model of insurance. You know, we have two models of insurance. The the, the cooperative model has got no much dominance, you know, because the commercial model has dominated. Mm. But the Islamic insurance is falling purely under cooperative model. In what sense? You become a member within with, with, with an insurer with a takaful operator you become a member to ensure against a particular risk now all of us if, if our members this contribution we are making the premiums these are our money we are entrusting the operator the insurance company to manage this funding on our behalf in terms of paying claims as well as in terms of underwriting the the the, the losses from time to time now in case there is what is called underwriting surplus which is normally the premium collected, the income from investment of these funds, minus the claims, if you have a surplus there, then these funds still belongs to me and you, members of the, of the fund. The fund. So it is a cooperative. What the, com- what the company gets are the commission for doing the work for us. You know, they will be doing the marketing, bringing new members. So whenever mm. they bring new members, they're able to get new members to join. For whatever premium is paid, they have a portion of that for the commission for doing the work. But also for investments, they have to invest this money, okay, and enable the, the pool, the pool fund to grow. Whatever profit, okay, or income that is coming, they also get a share from that. So it is our fund Okay, we are cooperative in nature. We are cooperating to cover and help each other okay, against a particular risk. If you compare this with conventional, you find it is a sell transaction. I buy a policy and uh, maybe I wait for something to happen. Something bad to happen, okay, yes. If nothing happens, if nothing my happens, money has it's gone. gone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It is not based on cooperative nature it is based on commercial you know yeah. you t- risk transfer is called you transfer the risk to the conventional insurer yeah. whereas in the takaful we call it is risk sharing yeah. we share the risk among the policyholders yeah. yeah okay in order to assist each other against any misfortune that might happen among the members but the fund if it is has a surplus is ours if it has a deficit perhaps you should ask yes uh, what if the underwriting uh, there is an underwriting deficit. What happens? Yeah. Will the member be required to contribute? This is where now the role of the company, the operator, mm. to lend. He will be required to lend to the fund, to the pool fund, okay, mm. during the time of deficit and to recover his money lent during the time of surplus. Oh. Yes. So you so will not be called. Fund, this surplus yeah. that has been used, um, mm. that has been accumulated maybe, mm. uh, let's say in 2020 there's a surplus of, I don't know, 15, 20, 50 million, whatever it is. So, and then in 2021 there's a deficit. So they can lend from 
2020-2021. Well, if there was an accumulated to, surplus, yes. we'll be able to cover it. But if it is short again, then mm. the Takaful operator will lend to the fund. Yeah. Because remember, this pool, this risk fund is is owned by the policyholder, mm. mm-hmm. is only held in trust by the operator, the insurer. So in mm-hmm. case the pool is short, depleted, yes. uh, vis-a-vis the claims are huge compared to what it is there, mm-hmm. they can lend it to the fund, they lend it to the members. And then eventually okay, recover claim, during recover. the time of surpluses. I see. So next year if there are surpluses, then the, the, the operator will take uh, whatever yeah. that it can take, depending yeah. on the guidelines that have been set and approved by the Sharia board within that particular Uh, and, and thank you so much, um, Andrew and um, Kalfan, for mentioning that. So one of the proposed amendments in the 2021 budget speech that was delivered last week, one of the proposed amendments to the insurance sector was to impose uh, a cap on insurance management expenses mm-hmm. and um in the legal alert that we did just yesterday on the potential implications of this is that when there's a cap on insurance management expenses it's highly likely then that there will be the resultant effect would be a higher return mm-hmm. on their investments and therefore um, a benefit to people who have invested for example in in in, in, pol- in policies yeah so is there um i think in that sense i would understand the the concept of um takaful and and the fund and managing it properly because on the other side of just regular insurance sometimes insurance companies tend to inflate the expenses and things like that and then people get lower returns yeah. or no returns at all put so, it in the footnotes yeah it's just something <laughs> something that came to mind yeah that yeah. That, that was really a, a moral hazard that might be there or it could be a real challenge due to maybe inefficiency in managing the the operations of the insurance mm-hmm. and this is more so i think on the life side of the insurance business uh, because this is where people would be investing as well they are they are what we call insurance like covering against a risk plus an investment side mm-hmm. now this is where if investments will keep on higher being higher then automatically the returns that are coming will have to be uh, absorbing those expenses so i think yeah. it's a good move to have a cap or to have discussion around that uh, by the government yeah. but on the existing uh, takaful company we are we are now having what uh, is called general takaful offering general covers okay which of, of which um, uh, is not linked with investment of which again by nature takaful operators expenses are borne by the takaful operator himself okay yeah they are borne by they are borne by the takaful operator so administrative expenses the shareholders of the company have to bear them mm. okay yeah yeah Interesting. except a few that might be uh, absorbed uh, absorbed by there by the risk fund but yeah. largely they are supposed to bear the administrative expense so that that's why they're rewarded for the work that's why they get yes. the commission that's why they get yes. the a portion of income out yes. of investment in order to yes. cover all those yeah. yes so, i see so they cannot pass it to the policy holders. I see yeah. what a fair concept. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Anyway guys, I hope you've enjoyed um yeah. this recording so yeah. far. As always, if you have any question or follow-up question, you can hit us up on our LinkedIn page at Gikera and Vadgama Advocates. You can also send us an email at info at gvalawfirm.com and also on our WhatsApp um, number 0718870167 
that is zero seven one eight eight seven zero one six seven. We uh looking forward to you know getting any questions that you may have any follow-up questions that you may have and i'm interacting with you guys more on this thanks annette thank you so much um so kalfan just as we wind up i know we have spoken a lot about the the interest aspect the profit aspect sorry profit profit and and takaful now is there anything that we may have missed um that has a different um, that is different from in Sharia banking from commercial banking. Maybe I don't know. You're the proficient in this. From the so, sl- from okay. Yeah. If, is there anything that Sharia banking has that is different from commercial banking? Very good questions. I think I will address it from the two areas uh, briefly. One area is on the governance side. On the governance side, the conventional banking, as you know, as a company, normally you have BOD, Board of Directors, the management, okay, and that's it. On the Islamic banks, okay, and even Takaful companies, they have another governing board. It's called Sharia Advisory Board. This is the board of experts that comes together with other minds within the bank, like the legal mind, the risker, the auditors, the operation guys, to make sure the processes and the products are Sharia compliant. So this organ is mandated to make sure that everything is certified to be Sharia compliant so that people or the public is not um, misled or is not given a product which is not halal. Okay, So that's, that's another difference. The other difference is with respect to investing. The investment on Islamic financial uh, institution or Islamic banks are normally ethical. There are sectors which they will not finance, they will not get engaged with. So sectors like alcohol Mm. is haram. Mm. They will not finance business that deals with wines, beers or alcohol manufacturing. Again, the business that deal with gambling, gambling is haram. So we cannot finance setting up of sports bets shop and so on. Also, uh, we cannot finance cigarette manufacturing companies or the agents that deals with it because cigarette is harmful and we are restricted not to harm ourselves by our own hands. So Islamic banks will avoid these so-called sin sectors Mm -hmm. from the Islamic ethical uh, eye so that we are only focusing on the many which are ethical and avoid the sin sectors so that we are ethical. So there is an ethical underlying investment selection. It's not about economic benefit mm-hmm. or is about this business is profitable but is also about is this right business yeah for I the see. community for the yeah. society yeah is it for the social good or is it we make money let the society let suffer it, yes <laughs> yeah what i would say that i have taken from this discussion my understanding and many people's understanding of capitalism has always been um, morality aside, it's mm. very cutthroat. Yeah. It's it's interests upon interests upon interests and protecting interests. But from what I'm getting is it's actually possible to make profit. It's actually possible to succeed and your business to succeed and whatever you're doing to succeed by being fair. Yeah. Yes. I think yeah. that's what I've just taken from this. Yeah. More than that very technical bit of question I'm very grateful for, you know. Yeah, our counterparts or other people who are looking at the Islamic um, Islamic finance, they refer to us as humanistic capitalists. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had humanist, humanistic capitalist. capitalist. Yes, okay. we are putting human, yes. humanity in capitalism I compared see. to the way it has been. Mm. Yeah. 
Because capitalism, I mean, hey, capitalism is, <laughs> as you have said, it's cutthroat. It's really cutthroat. It's like every man for themselves and but the God thing is, yeah, so capitalism is very, I would say it's ideal. It's the most suitable way to run an economy. But I think people's conceptualization of it has has, has changed in the sense that, and that's why we have the law anyway, and that's why we have regulations. Mm. CBK is there, if anything, just f- to be fair, <laughs> to protect people. <laughs> to you know. protect us. One thing um, towards the very end that has just come up, and I feel that we should have mentioned it earlier anyway, the aspect of collateral. Mm-hmm. So in, in a normal situation, I'll go to a bank, I want to borrow money, but they want to see how capable I am of paying it back. So they'll ask for security. I'll tell them, hey, I have a piece of land with this amount of money, you can hold the title mm. until I pay off. How does that work? Well, I will look at it in two ways. The first way is looking at it from the Sharia point of view. Sharia point of view, when I'm dealing with you, it is trust-based. Mm. And in trust-based relationship, it is all about um, whether I trust you enough to be able to fulfill your obligation within the contract. If I am, I don't need to ask you for anything, for a collateral or whatever. But if I doubt sharia allows again or if i think it's better for me to do that i will ask you to give a security or what we call in arabic terms a rahni a pledge it could be now your asset or it could be a guarantee or you can bring in a guarantor yeah okay now operating in kenya within our regulations yeah. banking business is regulated when it comes to financing the regulators the existing regulations requires that you should have a collateral against yeah. your 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 financing or yeah. your loans yeah. now we have to abide with these regulations mm-hmm. so we have to make sure again when you come to 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 get financing you also have a security but yeah. it's not a purely sharia requirement yeah. we can purely finance a customer if we trust yeah. uh, you and you are an open book nothing to hide yeah. without asking for a collateral, collateral. that's yeah. very possible but now since the regulations requires for any financing except maybe the personal financing which you used to have unsecured yeah. mm. but of course it's secured by your employer or by your yeah. employment yes. in any way okay since the regulation requires an islamic banks that operate <coughs> in the country have to have it but also we take it in a positive note because it is to protect the depositors by it, end of it yes yeah. it is and then another thing i'm informed that scripture itself i think that the holy quran has some certain provisions on collateral for example you can't pledge something that isn't already there for example okay like i think the example that's given in scripture and i stand to be corrected is for example you can't say i have a calf and it's it, i have a cow and it's going to have calves and that is yes, what that's uh, the that is that, that is the collateral giving, i know yeah. there are certain rules mm-hmm. but i'm not too sure and i really don't want to get in my own way by being wrong um how how, do, how, how does that work or how what what are the provisions well um the pledge or collaterals needs to be an asset which is again halal Okay, mm. and uh, and being halal, it means we know some of the movable assets and immovable assets. So it's upon asking what collateral do you bring in against this financing, and then the Islamic bank or the 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 scholars that are there within an Islamic bank will say, is this the collateral you're putting in? We think this is not Sharia compliant. So for mm. example, here I'll mention a treasury bill or treasury bond. You know, Kenyans can 
hold the treasury bill or treasury bond, the Emma Kiba, mm. for example, yeah. that we are participating in. So mm. yeah. you might use that as a collateral. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to Islamic banking, we'll only accept that collateral to the principal amount, not to the interest, interest. component that yes. you would, yes. uh, you will earn. So mm -hmm. this is, is is required. This is a requirement under there. It has to be halal. What you're giving us against yes. the the credit facility it has to be something that we consider halal mm -hmm. yeah. within the within the Islamic parameters. Mm -hmm. So we will accept to the principal amount the interest. We don't want to get that earning that, that is yours because yeah, yeah, it's not halal it's not, it's not, it's halal. not we, we don't think that's halal money yeah. for yeah. us to consider it as a cover yeah. against the credit facility well, thank you thank you so much Kalfan for those very very insightful insights um, Asante Sana to also Annette being on the show you guys you know as um, always if you have any comments or questions that you may wish to um through at us over this podcast of course you can talk to any of the of the podcast um platforms that we have said you know the whatsapp linkedin twitter or facebook um you can also come into our offices our offices are at 56 Mudili road right here in nairobi or you can also go onto our website and post something there and our website is gvlawfirm.com annette yeah and finally i just like to end by thanking um kalfan for taking your time to come and educate us we don't take it for granted it's been very informative and um guys for any follow-up questions um kalfan is the managing partner as um was earlier said of abra cons abra Ab consult abra consult and the website is www.abrarconsult.co.ke yeah, you can um, go in there and um, reach out if you have any further questions. That's it for me. I'm just really excited. I'm happy. This was very insightful. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was fantastic. Um, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, Kwaherini. Kwaherini. Bye, everyone. Thank you for having me.